I don't need to try this without. You might remember how it started in the book of Acts. Acts 1.8, Jesus promised, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses. And, and then in Acts chapter 2, we read that it happened, that the Spirit was poured out and there appeared to be tongues of fire and uh, a wind, a rushing wind. It was such an event, such a, a, a presence of God that Peter stands up and he preaches a sermon. That's probably a lot of discussion there. But he, he points to Jesus and he explains the cost of sin and, and the death of Jesus. And in so, he tells about the love of God. And scripture says that they were cut to the heart. It means they were moved. They were touched in a deep way. And, and so at the end of Acts chapter 2, we see that this had caused them to become a church who were, they were devoted to each other, devoted to teaching, they were learning, they were devoted to Jesus. It was a church with great preaching, with miracles, with wonderful worship. And the church grew to become a community that the world had never seen. Uh, became a powerful force in the Roman Empire. But this was not the end of the story because the people of the church continued to change. Uh, they were transformed. In all of Acts chapter 3, we see the beauty of transformation. There was a man who was lame from birth, and Peter and John, they, they go into the temple and prompted by the Holy Spirit to bring healing, both physically and spiritually. And the healing here sets into motion a chain of events that have become the reality for Christians ever since. First of all, when people, uh, when Christ is lifted up, when the work of Christ is present, people are drawn to Him. I mean, we, we see that in this passage in the book of Acts. We see that people are drawn to Him. There was a crowd that came after Peter preached, and there was a sermon in which Peter pointed to Jesus, and and there was teaching of salvation. We talked about that last week. And people respond. And so when Jesus is lifted up, first of all, people are drawn. And secondly, people are repelled by the work of Christ. Isn't that something? As hard as it is to believe, it is true. When Christ is lifted up, sometimes people stand against it. And that's actually what we're going to see this morning. We're going to see this reality of the church. So let me invite you to follow along as we read from the book of Acts. Uh, we're going to read Acts chapter 4, and uh, you can use technology in a phone, a smartphone. We're actually very happy to have old school Bibles here. Uh, if you want one of those, old school, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that, but they're cool Bibles, actually. Uh, and we are um, reading from Acts chapter 4. It's going to be the English Standard Version of the Bible. So, Acts chapter 4 from verse 1. Scripture says, As they were speaking to the people, the priests 
the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with an Annas the high priest and, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were in the high, high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power, by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a no notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. Because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So here it is. The first major opposition in the newly born church. In one corner, imagine the scene. You have two unimpressive Galilean fishermen named Peter and John. In the other corner, you have all the power and authority of 2,000 years of religious tradition. It's like an uneven match, it seems. This was the first confrontation in the history of the Christian church. Peter and John had just performed this amazing miracle uh, and everyone was amazed. They recognized that this man, this was not an easy healing. I mean, if there is such a thing. 40 years old, he's older. Uh, he always sat and begged in the same spot. And, and then he was healed. And Peter then took the opportunity to say that this miracle was not done out of his own power, but through faith in the name of Jesus. 
This is all because of the name of Jesus. In fact, we see this. This is, this is a theme we see in the book of Acts when followers begin to face trouble. It illustrates a great truth about the church, about the Christian church, and that is when we follow Jesus, there will be danger. Acts 4, verse 2 says, we, we read that the leaders were greatly annoyed because Peter and John were preaching about the resurrection of Jesus. These, this group, they didn't believe in the resurrection, and they didn't want a group of rebels changing status quo. Verse 1 says, as they were speaking, as they were, it'd be like right in the middle of the sermon. Maybe he didn't get to point number 3. It means they came in suddenly. They didn't just casually pull him aside after they wait politely to the end. They, they, they made a big deal. They were ambushed by soldiers, arrested them, threw them into jail for the entire night, one all-night paid expense in the county jail. They thought maybe would dampen their spirits, but it didn't. The next day, Peter and John stood before the authorities who continued to try to intimidate them, saying, you better not teach or preach or or you better watch out. You wish you didn't. They tried to intimidate, but they told them, Peter and John said, we, we cannot play it safe. We, we can't. They said, we cannot, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. You see, the truth jumps off the page here. And, and that is, when you boldly live, the message of Jesus, when we boldly follow him, we shouldn't be surprised when we face challenges. In fact, we might even question it the other way. If we aren't facing some challenges, are we boldly living in the name of Jesus? Because following Jesus is actually a dangerous endeavor. Because there will be opposition and trials. There will be hard work and difficult circumstances. This kind of stuff is not for the faint-hearted. It is not a weekend hobby for the curious spectator. To follow Jesus is just plain dangerous. Yet, God calls us to a dangerous life because this, at our very core, is what we were made for. We won't find authentic joy in any other way at the very core of our lives. We don't want easy religion. We don't want comfortable Christianity. We really don't. We want, and we need something worth living and dying for, some purpose greater than ourselves. During the 16th century, during the time of explorers, I often think, what a cool time in, in history to have lived when people were exploring the, the world and. They had these explorers, and in order to go out and explore unknown territory and land, you had to have a crew of people with you. You didn't want to go alone or else you wouldn't get very far. So these explorers, they would, they would gather uh, people and they would take, there's this story about an explorer who gathered a, a group of strong men and he said to them, he said, hey, would you go with me on an exploration? He said, if you do, you will see some of the most wonderful things your eyes have ever seen. White, sandy beaches, treasures of priceless value, juicy fruits you've never tasted before. He told them all, this adventures, all these adventures could be theirs if they would just come with him. But no one enlisted for the journey. 
So the next day, he came up with a different strategy. He gathered a group of men, and he told them that if they came with him, they would face storms, storms that would frighten them, that they would have winds that would hammer them and blow them off course, that water would be scarce, they would be so thirsty, there would be challenges. In short, danger would always be their companion. He concluded by saying that if they could handle these things, then the joys of exploration would exceed their wildest dreams. And you know what happened? Every single person enlisted for the journey. What was the difference between these two groups of people? Was, was the first group, they just weak people? Was the second group, they were stronger? No. The difference was that the truth of the mission appealed to, the human, to our human nature. Because inside we know we want and need something bigger. We want something worth living and dying for. Somewhere along the line, too many people, too many churches have gotten the idea that following Jesus is a risk-free endeavor. That somehow it guarantees an easier life. But if you read the Bible, that doesn't really make any sense. How many heroes of faith had easy lives? We read chapter 11 of Hebrews and we see all these people. The, the writer of Hebrews almost has to say, well, there's, there's so much I can't even say it all. Where in the Bible does Jesus say to his followers, God wants you to live a comfortable life that involves a big house, a supermodel spouse. Maybe I got that one though. <laughs> a great job, a sports card, endless succession of easy days. The Bible doesn't say that, does it? But it does say, Jesus says, follow me, and there are going to be troubles, but you will have outrageous joy. And they did. They followed him by the hundreds, by the thousands, by the ten thousands. They followed the same path that Jesus walked through servanthood, the same path of sacrificial generosity that even followed him to death. And so I want to ask you this morning, I want you to consider doing something dangerous this morning. You didn't think you were going to get that this morning when you came to be asked to do something dangerous. But I'm going to ask you, because I'm going to take a risk here. I want to ask you to do something dangerous. Instead of asking for an easier, more pleasant, or more secure life, instead, consider a more dangerous kind of prayer. Say, Lord, give me an opportunity to serve you. Say, Lord, use me in a powerful way, no matter what the risks may be. Lord, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Now that is a dangerous prayer. Because if you pray that prayer, the Lord will answer it. And, and he will give you opportunities you never imagined. And when you act in courage, you will experience life like you have never known before. Now, there are several experiences in my life where I've had to take some risks, and I could share just how true this is. Uh, a while back, I, I shared with the English Bible study group my experience uh, visiting a place called Bluefields, Nicaragua. It was really, in general, a pretty safe trip. I mean, the travel was pretty safe. We started off in one of those big jumbo jet airline uh, modes of transportation. And if you've traveled on one of those big planes, you know it's pretty comfortable. 
Uh, they're much more comfortable. You get the big seats and they feed you. You know, you get, they give you, and you don't even have to pay for the peanuts. I mean, they, they just give it to you. If the, if the trip is long enough, you get a meal out of it. It's comfortable, it's smooth, it's, it's the way to go, I thought. But when we arrived in Nicaragua, we had to take another flight uh, to get to the other side of the country to Bluefields. And the plane on which we traveled was not that uh, big. In fact, it was quite small. In fact, it was the smallest plane I'd ever traveled in my life. And uh, at first I was a little excited, but that didn't last very long, especially when I got on it. And it's funny how you can feel every little wind on those little planes, and you're like And uh, that didn't make me feel too well, and I'm wondering if I was in danger. But then I, I thought, well, I can handle this, uh, until the pilot in front of me decided to take the newspaper and keep the sun out. And so he started taping the windshield of the airplane. And uh, he did not stop at half. He, he taped the whole thing and the sun just kind of baked in and he thought it would be a, a good time for a nap, a siesta. I was more than worried. But I was trying to hold it together until, until the, the uh, co-pilot, who was at least awake, decided it would be a good time to brush up on some education. And so he pulls out a book um, that I was really afraid to know what he was reading. And so I took, I closed my eyes and I was in the front. I took my phone and I took a picture of, of what he was reading. And when I got home, I shouldn't have done this. But when I got home, I zoomed up, zoomed in on it. And he was actually reading an a aviation book, How to Fly an Airplane. That's the test manual. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't believe that. That's the one you have to pass before you become right. a <laughs> I was, I was kind of worried about that. You know, I share all that to say that I don't really know how dangerous it was. Probably not that much in the big scope of life, even though I felt it to be dangerous at the moment. But here's what I do know, that my life was richer because of the journey. Because of that opportunity, when we arrived in Bluefields, uh, we met some friends who had started a church. Now, they were so passionate about evangelism and sharing the good news of Jesus that instead of starting with a church building, uh, a worship center, or even an education center, do you know what they started with? A swimming pool. The first thing they did was build a swimming pool. That's, that solves a lot of problems for one, by the way. Uh, for one, you don't have to figure out where you're going to do baptisms. <laughs> she already got it. And second problem, it solves it, draws people from the community. Now, they did eventually build the education building and the worship center. But they took a huge risk in starting with a swimming pool. We saw this. We were blessed. We were encouraged. We went back. and We told our church, we should build a swimming pool. And they said, no. But <laughs> we were excited. You see, there is always a risk when you follow Jesus. You don't have to be in some faraway place to know that. There's, there's a risk for speaking out in the name of Jesus. If, if we look at the content of Peter's message here in this chapter, in verse 11, he boldly explains that religious leaders like these are rejecting Jesus. I mean, he says that. He says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. 
And then in verse 12, he proclaims that Jesus is the only way to have salvation. He says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter shows us that people may not always like to hear the truth of Jesus, even if it's for their own good. Now, there's a difference in telling people the truth of Jesus in a way to, to kind of get them and jab them. You know, that's not what the sword is for. Uh, than telling somebody the truth of Jesus in a way with a heart full of compassion and love. Uh, I'll never forget the story of my own daughter, Elizabeth. She uh, was a fairly new Christian at the time in fourth grade at elementary school. And she had a friend, and, and the two of them were sharing uh, experiences from their own faith. And uh, her friend was sharing that her faith, which was not Christian, well, a lot of rules. She couldn't eat meat. She couldn't do this. She couldn't do that. But there were a lot of rules, a lot of regulations. And Elizabeth, uh, with all the honesty in the world, says, you should try Christianity. There's a lot of fun there. <laughs> and she went on to tell that, that in Christianity, you get to spend eternity with Jesus. You get to go to heaven. But if you don't know Jesus, you don't get to go to heaven. She told him the reality of the Christian faith with her heart full of compassion and wanting to share the truth. The discussion was so good. Uh, I was so proud of her because her heart was sharing the greatest things she knew. But then came the sad part of the story is that apparently the adults in the situation didn't feel the same way. And so when I got an email from the teacher and the principal asking that Elizabeth keep Jesus at home, uh, and Elizabeth felt like she'd done something wrong and now, we weren't going to keep Jesus at home. We weren't going to do that. In fact, we took Elizabeth out for ice cream because she was not to feel guilty about sharing the name of Jesus. When you follow Jesus, there is a cost. There's a cost to pursuing justice and equality in a world that loves to put people down and keep people out. If you live against the system, sometimes there's a price to pay. Following Jesus has never been easy. If you, but those who do find the greatest joys in life. Those who do live with ultimate fulfillment and purpose. That's why the Apostle Paul says it this way from Philippians. He says, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. It takes courage to follow Jesus, but not as much as you think. <laughs> I want you to notice what happens here in the book of Acts. In fact, if we leave this part out, you have not heard the whole story because you need to hear. It would be a huge mistake to believe that this story is all about the courage of Peter and John. It would be a huge mistake to overlook what it says in verse 8. It says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, dot, dot, dot. It would be a huge mistake to forget the promise that Jesus made to his disciples when he said, and when they, this comes from Luke, and when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Right when we need him the most, he will give us what we need. Mm -hmm. Isn't that cool? 
In the moment we need it, it's there. There's a story about some Christian missionaries who were translating the Bible into a tribal language. They were doing evangelism work, and, but they were, they were struggling to find a word to translate uh, the word that Jesus used for the Holy Spirit, the Greek word paraclete. And, and so one day, the, the translators, they, they came across a group of porters, a group of people who were transporting merchandise and, and transporting supplies and resources, etc. They would travel in groups, and they noticed that everybody would carry something heavy except for one guy. And one guy would just kind of walk along, and they th they first they thought he was the supervisor, kind of keep him in line, tell him where to go, make sure nobody was, was, was being lazy, keep him. But they soon found out that this guy, he was not the supervisor. He had a very special job. And his job, he was there to be uh, the one just in case someone fell over in exhaustion or someone got too tired to carry the load. He was the one who would quickly swoop in and fall beside him and help carry the load. All of a sudden, the word for translating the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, became clear to the missionaries. The one who falls down beside us. So that's how they translated Paraclete, the Holy Spirit. The one who is there at the moment we need him. That's an excellent way to understand God's promise. At the moment we face danger, he is there right beside us to fill us and empower us. Jesus promises, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God wants you to know that following Jesus won't be easy. But if you choose to follow him, you will never be alone. And you will find abundant joy and abundant life. So go ahead and see what God wants to do in your life. Go ahead and consider something dangerous this morning. Say that prayer. Instead of seeking an easier life, a more secure life, a, a more pleasant life, instead, consider a dangerous prayer that says something like, Lord, give me an opportunity to serve you. Lord, use me in a powerful way no matter what the risks may be. Pray that dangerous prayer because God will answer it. And you will not regret praying it. He will give you opportunities you never dreamed possible. And when you act in courage, you will experience life like you've never experienced it before. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you call us to a life and a work that is beyond our ability and our strength. Lord, there are risks, there are dangers. Help us to, to boldly accept them, knowing that you are with us every step of the way, and that's all that matters, that you will be there, that you will, you will give us the strength, you will show us the beauty of your work and your presence, your, the healings, the, the, the miracles, the transformations, the, the awakening of people. You will show us these things. And, and Lord, thank you. Thank you for inviting us to be part of, of true Christian life, following you, living for you. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, we ask that we would accept that challenge of, of following you with 100% with confidence and 100% commitment, knowing you're with us. Uh, we don't have to be afraid that really, in, in hindsight, at the end of the day, it's not much of a risk because you are there. Lord, thank you for your work in our lives. Thank you for this opportunity to be with you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.